0: of truth. of truth thou sendest clear, and while the wave notes fall on my ear,
1: everything
0: false will disappear, silently now I wait for thee, ready my God thy will to see, open my ears. Spirit divine open Standing, hymn number 640. 640, sweet hour of prayer. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Acts 3:1. Sweet hour of prayer. And I always say this when I'm singing this song. This is this was my mo- one of my uh, one of the favorite songs of my mother. Sweet hour of prayer. So I always think of her when I sing this as well as the Lord, too, but Sweet Hour of Prayer, I believe everybody's there. We'll sing all four verses. That's just two I'm picking. (laughs) I got a few uh, eerie looks on that. I got you woke up anyway. Now let's really sing, okay? Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour soul has soul the waiting soul to bless and since he bids me seek his face believe his word and trust his grace amen i'll cast on him on Him, my every care, and that's what we always need to do. In you may be seated.
1: Amen. Always good to worship the Lord. All right, we got a lost and found situation. Anybody lose a Bible cover? I don't know how much you willing to give. <laughs> uh, it's got a blue pin in it, navy blue. Looks like. Somebody's got some dog hair in there or gray hair. I'm not sure which. Either somebody's got a white-haired dog or a white-haired husband. I don't know. But if if this is yours and you can identify it, (laughs) then there you go. Anyways, let me put this here before I get in any more trouble. All right. Anyways, well let's get started tonight. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Thankful for what God's been doing here. And uh, there, is, there is no place like Victory Way. And I'm thankful for what God's been doing here of late and for how He's uh, been meeting with us. Uh, take your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 139 again. We were there this morning. We're going to be back there this evening for, for our base uh, Scripture tonight. Uh, this morning we began looking at God is omnipresent. That God is all-present right? Uh, he is present, present. As we said and in short, God's here, right? He's here all the time. Wherever and, wherever and whenever, God's not just there, but He's here, right? He's present in that place, present in that time, present in that need. And so that's a wonderful thing that we can trust, that we can cling to. And tonight we're going to look at, uh, at part two of that. But before we do, I want to read verses 7 through 12 of Psalm 139. As we talked about, this psalm sort of is the the omni-psalm where we see God's omnipotence, omniscience, His omnipresence. We find, really, David in this psalm praising God, not just for the things that God does, but for the things that God is. And so you and I ought to do the same. David lays a pattern for us, and all the psalms do truly, to call us to praise God, even in seasons of lament, even in seasons of sin, transgression, difficulty, tragedy, times of, of even discouragement, depression, to go to the Lord, to ask Him for our needs, much like we just sung a moment ago in the sweet hour of prayer, to go to the Lord for all things. In all things, we ought to praise the Lord. We ought to go to the Lord. And so we see here this psalm is no different in that. But let's read verses 7 through 12. Whither shall I go from my spirit? Or whither shall I flee from Thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. The darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Now let us pray. Lord, we come to you this night. We just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can gather tonight to look at your word. I pray, God, that you would rid us of all distractions, that we would just get a hold of this idea of of You being present with us and what our life should look like out of that. Lord, tonight as we get into some of these practical things, I pray that You would help me, that You would fill my heart, my mind, with words that need to be said tonight, that You would teach us, reveal to us what we need from Your Word. God, that we might submit to You uh, by faith that we would receive all that we need in Christ tonight. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sort of kind of recap a little bit in case you weren't here this morning or in case you forgot all about it because I know all my sermons are always memorable. (laughs) Uh, This morning we looked at God being omnipresent. We looked at the preeminence of his presence, how God's presence is infinitely important and impactful in the mind of God and the motivation of his people. We find that God places a preeminence about His presence. We find, as we look at here tonight, we'll get into this, how the Bible literally begins and ends with the presence of God. How over and over and over again throughout the Bible, we find that this idea of being redeemed and reconciled to God, it is much more than just being saved from hell. It is being saved to enter into the presence and fellowship of God. And that is much uh, much more wonderful than just not going to hell. Going to going. Going to heaven is great, but being in fellowship with God is the whole idea of heaven in the first place. That's what makes heaven heaven. And, and, and furthermore, what we find is that God has not just promised these things to us in any, any eternity or told us about these things that we get to go and be with him later on down the line. It's not as if God has said, if you want to be with me, you're going to have to trust in my son, and then I'll wait until you're older and I'll off you, and then you can come be with me. That's not the case. God is not just saying that His presence is in the future when we leave this world. He's saying it's right now. That's something that should convict our hearts, comfort our hearts every day of our life. We find that the preeminence of His presence shows us that we are made to know Him and we are made to be in His presence. Let me ask you tonight, right? We don't even need a a raising of hands because all of you would give the right answer. Is there a better place to be than in the presence of God? Of course not. And so you and I, we long for those sorts of things. We often call them these mountain peak experiences in the Christian life. But I would tell you this tonight, and we're going to see this as we, as we go along. And I'm going to try to keep my eye on my watch back there. Cameron's going to flag me down if I get too long. But tonight we're going to see how can we not just seek mountaintop experiences, right, that are full of emotion. Those are nice. If we could all live on the mountaintop, that's what we do, wouldn't we? Heaven will be a mountaintop, all right, so you can look forward to that. What about when we spend most of our time in the valleys? We spend an awful lot of time, not even just in valleys of shadows of death, but we spend much of our time in the plateaus, climbing mountains, sliding down, tumbling down, tripping, falling, stumbling, and then crashing into the bottom, right? We spend much of our time there. So what can we do? How can we live with God's presence in those times? That's what we need more than anything. This morning as well, we saw the place of His presence. That the omnipresence of God, the all-presence, the ever-presence, the everlasting presence of God, it is inescapable. For you and I as believers, that is a comfort to us because we know that no matter where we go, no matter where life takes us, no matter what direction we go, no matter what path we take, no matter if we stumble or fall, that the Lord is there for us. That is a wonderful truth. David took hold of this in verse number 10. Even there, right, he said, if I go north, south, east, or west, right, highest to heavens, down, down to the grave, as far as the east, rising in the sun, as far as the west where the sea is, if I go any of those places, thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. So he trusts that God is already there. God is holding Him on the way there. And so that is a comfort for us as believers tonight. God's presence is impacting the rule of His will from the heights of heaven, even the depths of hell, and every inch of the believer's heart. There is no place that you can go where you can escape the presence of the Lord. Now, for those of us who know Christ, that is a comfort. But as we talked about this morning, to those who don't know the Lord, to those who will be in hell, it will be an absolute terror. The presence of God will be a terror to them. Let's think about this. You and I who know Christ, we don't think about the fear of the Lord a whole lot. Because you and I can now go to Him. He is our Father. We've been adopted by Him. We have Christ praying, interceding for us. We have the Spirit of God within us praying for us. And so we have, are able to come, like Hebrews tells us, to come boldly, to come with confidence to the throne of grace. But if we think about this, you and I can look forward to coming into His presence, but when we see in the Bible, when we see in the Bible people that are there in the presence of God, you know what's there? An absolute terror. My mind goes to Isaiah. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a dead man. It goes to John in Revelation, the Isle of Patmos, where it says that he hears the voice of God and he falls down as a dead man. I think of Mount Sinai. Moses is up on the mountain and the people are down on the bottom and they see the whole mountain consumed by the presence of God. This cloud, the Shekinah glory of God. And what we see is that the people cry out, Moses, you talk to us because we don't want Him, God, to talk to us. It scares us. We'll die if He talks to us. You ever thought about that? I mean, what a frightening thing that is. We've got people who are so fascinated, though, and here's the danger about talking about the presence of God, is there is a great balance. We must understand that we are always in the presence of God, but there is a difference between living and abiding in the presence of God and thinking that you saw Him Because there are those today who go, Oh, I saw God the other day. No, you didn't. If you did, you would have had the same response as they did at Sinai. You'd have had the same response as Isaiah or John. Because in our flesh, you will not see all of God and live. This is why you and I, this is a part of the reason that we have to have glorified bodies to be in God's presence. Why? Because we have mortal bodies, they must put on immortality. Right? We have sin. We must put on sinless. We must put on everlastingness. That's not a word I know. That's fine. Everlastingness. You can mark it down. It's okay. Now this evening, here's what we're going to look at. Just to kind of set the stage here for us. We're going to look at the promise of His presence. The presence of God is a promise that you can cling on to. It is not merely something that you can hope for. It is not merely something that you can go, boy, it's been a while since I had a mountaintop experience with God. I hope it comes soon. This is something that you can rest assured that everywhere you go tonight, tomorrow, God's there already and will be with you in that moment. Through the most mundane and minuscule things in your life, God is there. How many of y'all like doing the dishes? A couple of you. All right, few of you. Did you know that God is with you when you do the dishes? How many of you like to change the oil in your car? A couple of you. God's with you when you do that. How many of you like to, to craft? A couple of you, right? My wife's back there. She might be knitting now. No, just kidding. We think God's with you there. And your job, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, eating breakfast, walking the dog, the Lord is with you. Now that is something wonderful to hold on to, to know that we are never alone, even when we're all alone. God is there, very present in our life. So we want to look at tonight and answer the questions. What, what has God promised us about His presence? And what God promises we can trust, right? If God makes a promise, we can count on it. If I make a promise, we're 50-50. You make a promise, 60-40, right? You think we, we as human beings, we make a promise and we want to be truthful all the time. But when God speaks, it's settled. It's settled long before He even speaks the Word. That's the beauty of why we can trust the Word of God. And then we're going to see tonight as well the practice of His presence. This is something, first of all, let me get this out the way. Practicing the presence of God is not a one, two, three step. It is not an A, B, and C, and then you'll get X, Y, and Z. This is not just a program. This is not a thing to go and to do and to try to have homework about it and turn it in for a grade. Practicing the presence of God is a daily life of being devoted and understanding that you are living before His face. Now that's something that is exciting. Yet it's also something that is contrary to us because we tend to not think that we need God for everything. As we said earlier, right? We've got some folks who like doing the dishes. Most of the time when you run that hot water for your dishes, do you think that you need God for that? Well, most of the time, no, of course not. We go, home just doing the dishes. But if we understand that in everything that God desires to do it in us and through us, then what we find is that the mundane, the chores of life, even the things that we tend to think of as just regular old daily living become extraordinary because the Lord is there with us in the process. Now, I know it sounds strange. It's not to be mystical, but it's to simply get us to be more aware of the presence of God. Tonight we're going to look at how can I live and how should I live before the face of God? What does this presence accomplish in my life? It was Tozer who said the Spirit-filled life is not a special, deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for His people. You and I have got to understand that we've been given the Holy Spirit of God to abide in us. That is God's indwelling presence. That means God is here. God is with us. Now, that's the wonderful truth about the omnipresence of God. Now, the same Holy Spirit that I have, the same Holy Spirit that you have, the same Holy Spirit that that the Apostle Paul had, that Peter had, the same Spirit that even hovered and covered over the creation and and, uh, filled and empowered men and women in the Bible and the Old Testament to do the work of God, shows His omnipresence. Now, as we look at this tonight, we're going to see the promise of His presence first. As we talked about a little bit today, the beginning of the Bible and the ending of the Bible are much the same. You can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and Revelation to Genesis, and you'll find the same redemption story. You will find that there is God, His presence, there is a creation, there is then a fall and a judgment, there is then a plan of redemption, and all of of it is to bring man back to God, back to His presence. The whole idea is not just to merely, as we said earlier, keep us from hell, but it is to draw us into his presence so that we might know God and the fullness of God, the fullness of his presence, even in our life that we live now. He is present. And he is not just present and there, but he is active. Where God is, God is at work. Now, if you believe that God is present in your life, what you should understand by that, by default, is that you are saying that God is at work in your life. Now, how many of us feel all the time, every single moment, that God is at work in your life? I'd like to be honest and be like, oh, of course I do. Sometimes we don't feel it, do we? However, we can trust, not in our emotions, not in our mountaintops and not in our valleys, but we can trust in the truth of God that He is always, ever-present and because He's present, He's at work. You ever saw this in the Bible when we see in the Gospels where Jesus, where Jesus is, it seems that Jesus is always at work. Even when Jesus was going to rest, He was still in a work to go to the Father in prayer, to surrender to the work of the Spirit, to prepare His body, prepare His life, to be given a ransom for sinners. We find that everywhere He went, it was a work. This is why we find that everywhere the Spirit of God is, God is working. This is why what happens is when we feel that God's not working in our life, one of two things is happening. Either one, we're relying on our emotions, or two, there's something in our life grieving the Spirit of God. Now that whole idea is that we've got something that's unconfessed sin. We're living and walking in the flesh. We're doing Christian things, but without the presence and the Spirit of God abiding in those things. What What we need is God's will. And it is the will of God for His creation to enjoy His presence. David understood this. David writes in this psalm that we've just read, 7-12 to 12 here, clearly David enjoys the presence of God. You and I who know the Lord should enjoy the presence of God. We should enjoy His presence more than anything. We should seek His presence more than anything. We should live through His presence more than anything to trust that God is there. But it can only be enjoyed by grace through faith. The gift of God is Himself. He gives us Himself. He gives us His presence. That is an act of His grace. But the only way that you and I understand the gift of God's presence in our life is when we receive it by faith. Notice this. When you do your dishes, when you walk your dog, when you pay your bills, when you come to church, and you do all these things by the flesh, by your own strength, by your own ability, you know what you find? Frustration. You find difficulty. You find a short temper. You find a bad attitude. You don't find much fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because you're finding the fruit of the flesh. But if we come to God, and we work for God, and we do the dishes for God, we walk the dog for God, we pay the bills for God, we do everything for the Lord Himself, what we find is that we are abiding in His presence and we can find joy in doing the smallest of tasks. We can find joy in all that we do because work is not meant to hurt us. Rather, it's meant to draw us to God because we need His strength to do it. You go back and you ever had that time where you go, I need to do the dishes tonight, but I'm just too tired. I'll wait and do them tomorrow, right? Have that time, right? right? We hate that, don't we? Because you go, I feel terrible because I'm, I'm too tired tonight to do it. I, I got, Now they're going to be waiting on me tomorrow.